PayPal stock is down 80% from its pandemic high. It's $60 a share right now. That $60 is actually cheaper than it was two, three, four years ago. So let's dust off the one pager, figure out how much cash money this stock makes. And if we apply a conservative forecast going forward, do we think it's going to beat the market? You ready? Let's get to work. Hello, welcome to Rational Investing. My name is Cameron Stewart, CFA. Thank you for watching the channel and listening to the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button if you're a fan of the show. Now, we're going to take a look at PayPal. I've done several videos on PayPal over the years, uh, and we did get swooped up in the euphoria of the pre-pandemic or the pandemic world. Uh, I actually bought the stock. I thought it was going to continue to run, and I got absolutely smoked. But that's okay. You live and learn, still own the stock, still going to hang on to it for a long, long time. That's why we buy equities. If you're going to buy them, you're, you're in it for at least a decade. So don't try to figure out what's going to happen next year, uh, next, next month. You want to figure out what's going to happen next decade or two. So that's why we're still there. But we're going to dust off this stock. We're going to apply a conservative forecast. I want to take a look at their Q3 earnings really quickly. They give some updated guidance. I want to look at their cash flow and the share buyback. We're going to look at the 10Q really quickly. And we're going to go through the one pager that I've got behind me that our analyst Mark published in the Cash Flow Club, where we have all kinds of detail and it's going to be um, very insightful to go through. So before uh, before we do that, let's review the five key attributes that we use in stocks here in this channel. Number one, top line revenue growth. You want a growing revenue for the companies that you own. Number two, earnings. You want enterprise level earnings that's EBITDA growing. Number three, you want strong free cash flow. Number four, you want low debt. And number five, you want a well-priced stock. You want a stock with a conservative forecast that over time could beat the market, has a potential to beat the market. That's the whole game here. Find stocks with high probabilities of outperformance, you weight them in your portfolio appropriately, and you hope for the best. That's kind of what uh, forecasting truly is. Okay, so behind me, I have the one pager that's file, uh, filed in the Cashflow Club. You can find this at my website, cashflowinvestingpro.com. We have a club where we produce one pagers, a one pager, something like looks like this. It is a one page summary of 10 years of history of stock with a forecast. We publish these on a number of uh, st stocks. This is one where our, our analyst, Mark, published uh, on uh, PayPal. So let's go through it. You've got PayPal, the fundamental economics of PayPal is based on the number of payments or transactions that have gone through. So total payment volume and the number of transactions, these two are critical metrics to determine where PayPal can generate its earnings from. Remember, PayPal takes a dollar commission on flow through volume through its system. So the greater the volume, the more money it will make. Uh, that's one of the reasons we like the stock to begin with. Our underlying thesis was that if inflation happens, the, the volume of money going up will go up in the system with inflation. Therefore, PayPal taking a percentage of that increased volume would be able to maintain its earnings power. And I believe that's still in the case. Uh, so you can see total payment volume. Uh, this is $185 billion in 2013, has grown to 234 281 continued to 578 billion in 2018. During the pandemic, 937 billion in 2020, 2021, 1.2 trillion, and 2022, 1.357 trillion dollars of funds flowed through their infrastructure, and for that, they took a small fee. That's an annual growth rate over the last decade of 9% annually. 
furthermore, the number of payments. So, so that's that's volume of dollars, and then the number of payments is like the number of steps you're taking versus the distance you're running. The number of payments you're making have gone from 3.2 million to 22 million payments at a 16% growth rate. So the the transactions that they're doing, they're they're processing smaller and smaller average payments, and they're doing it more quickly. The number of average accounts growing at 2% and their revenue you can see growing as, as, as well. So that is kind of the underlying thesis that that kind of, um, those metrics will be maintained and those metrics will grow. The question is, what's the assumption on the growth? I think that's where we got burnt last time is we had far too rosy uh, projections for continued growth of big double digits and strong operating margins. Okay, so we reviewed the transaction volume and the number of accounts. I just wanna show it to you here in the graphs. So you can see kind of how it's been moving. I think this parabolic upturn in the payment volume caused the market to get a little euphoric and think it's gonna continue forever. It did not. It obviously moderated off to the side, started coming a, a, a reduced growth rate, and that change in the slope of that curve caused the market multiple to go from, I don't know, what, 50 to 12. So that's really how the stock itself has collapsed um, so, so badly. But if we're gonna forecast this business, what we're gonna do is we're gonna forecast based on transaction volume. So you've got transaction volume here, and we're gonna say next year, 2023, you have a 14% lift over 2022. And then that 14 is gonna come down very quickly, nine, eight, seven, six. And in long-term, it's kind of a 5% growth in transaction volume over time, which is kind of a combination of inflation and, and, and real growth, right? Some combination of the two to get you to that number. You've got a ratio that gives you the revenue and then a 20% EBITDA margin for a forecast EBITDA of 5.7 billion in 2023 up to 10 billion out in 2020, uh, 2033. That's 10 years of forecast. You're basically saying, I need this stock to double in earnings over the next decade. Uh, how it happens, this, this forecast here is a little bit immaterial. It, it, it impacts the timing of cash flow. Uh, but uh, so long as this business continues to march forward at some reasonable pace along this path, you're trying to target, hey, 10 years out, a 10-year um, EBITDA of $10 million or 10 billion or doubling of value. Let's take a look at the, um, the Q1 2023 earnings and get a taste for how they're performing in 2023. All right, behind me is the Q1 2023 earnings release for PayPal. I just want to touch very quickly on a couple things here. One thing I like is the transaction volume here, a 13% increase in the total transaction volume year over year, which is really good. It gives you a $7 billion uh, revenue number, which is a 10% growth rate year over year, which is very, very good. Free cash flow for the business, what we look for, $1 billion, a 3% increase. I'm not sure they've expensed here stock-based comp like we do. I'll get in that in a second, but I want to smell check a little bit of the high levels for you. They also give some guidance in here. Let's take a look at that. Let's take a look at the guidance that they provide in their Q1 2023 earnings release. So this is saying FY 2023 guidance. They've got revenue, second half H2, second half of 2023 revenue growth is expected to be relatively similar to H1. Well, we know Q1, they did 10% uh, year over year. They're saying that hopefully Q, H2 will be similar to H1. So that's probably a 10% roughly revenue growth. They're saying non-GAAP EPS, 20% growth. Okay, but we don't look at EPS here because it, it, it accounts for share buybacks, which can be um, 
the timing there is suspect. And then non-GAAP is always a problem with these companies because they add back all kinds of garbage. Free cash flow, $5 billion. That's a good number. We can hang on to that one. Uh, and then share repurchase. They're going to buy back $4 billion of stock here, which is very, very nice. In the next slide here, I'll come down one if this works. Yeah, so here they say non-GAAP operating margins. This is actually Q2 guidance for 2023, not the full year. But they are saying that their operating margin will be 22% is what they're targeting. Op that's operating income, non-GAAP operating income. We're using EBITDA, which is close because this company doesn't have a tremendous amount of depreciation. Um, and so we're using 20%. They've got 22. We're directionally going into that uh, increased margin level from where they were in prior year. So we've got growing revenue. We've got some margin expansion, which is good for both of these numbers. Okay, one more check. Then we're going to dive into the forecast and the one pager. But I just want to smell check this quarter's 10Q that they released to see what the free cash will look like for this business PayPal. So here I am. PayPal consolidated holding cash flow statement. My favorite statement, your favorite statement, cash flow statement. 2023, first three months. Let's smell check how much hard jack these guys made. So here we go. Start with net income, which is positive. Nice to see. Cool $800 million rounding here. Cash flow, net cash flow provided by operating activities. That's what you want. You want the cash flow from operation, not financing, not investing, operating cash flow. It's the first third of the cash flow statement, $1.17 billion. That is pure hard jack. Now, what happens is they've got deferred comp here. They've got stock-based comp, which is very rich in this company. Shame on them, huh? I want to see that come down. These are stockholders need to be treated appropriately, certainly for the losses they've experienced, and buying back shares from management for the failed guidance that they, that they delivered is not the best thing to do. But that being said, $345 million of stock was given to employees. And it's a positive number because it's not actually paid in cash. But we at the Cashflow Club treat it as such. If you're going to give it, I'm going to assume it's expense in cash. So I want to take this number of $1.2 roughly billion of cash flow. And even though this is real cash, I'll subtract $350 million from it. So what's that? $700 and change million of pure cash flow. So it's positive. I like that. Number two, coming down, let's figure out how much property, plant, and equipment. They put only $170 million back in property, plant, and equipment. They don't have to put much back because it's mostly a software company. Most of all their costs are expensed on the income statement, the hard assets that you can buy and spread out over time. There are fewer of them, so it's less money. So they can easily afford this number, easily, right? So you've got $700 million of jack sitting here that you made in one quarter you peel off a little bit of, call it 200 million, you've got 500 million dollars of jack. These are rough, rough numbers, but you get the idea. Left over after you've paid, reinvested for CapEx. Now, let's see what's going on down here. Cash flow from financing. I'm sorry, you can, you can, it's tough to see. Proceeds from common stock issuance, nothing. They didn't issue stock, excellent. Purchase of treasury stock. Treasury stock is them buying back stock. They bought back $1.4 billion of stock. Now, I wanna check something here. Look at the stock that they issued. They issued to employee $345 million of stock and they bought back $1.4 billion. So they're buying back a tremendous amount more stock than they're giving employees. I'm okay if they're giving stock to employees. In principle, I think they should hold off for a couple quarters, let the equity people gotta get some of their jack back. But that's, a, you know, management runs the business. We're a bunch of diluted shareholders. We don't vote together as a block. 
If it were me, I'd put a moratorium for a little bit, make them get back some of the equity that they lost, but whatever. The point here is that you want to see the stock best, the stock buybacks that they're doing be dramatically bigger than any stock uh, allocations they're giving to employees. Apple is a very good example of this. They give a lot of stock to employees. However, that stock relative to the total enterprise that they produce and the amount of shares that they buy back on a quarterly basis is very, very small. So same, th same thing here, that's very good. And then they've got borrowing and repayment of debt. Uh, they did not do any, any debt activities. So that means generated positive free cash flow for the quarter. They put back enough money they can afford the CapEx and they can afford the stock buybacks that they're doing. Well, I, I take that back. This is actually much bigger than these numbers. So they definitely dipped in some cash to do that. But they're using the free cash that they have. They have excess cash. And their positive cash flow from operating less CapEx is, is it means to me that the business is producing cash. Let's figure out the valuation here and if it's reasonable. Okay, here we are with the one pager. Remember, the one pagers look like these. You can find them in the cash flow club. We put them in all kinds of different companies. What you want to do is you want to print the ones out, the companies that you would love to love to own, the wonderful companies who you like the product, maybe use the product. You think it has a moat, it's defensible, uh, they have great management team. Maybe the management team is part owner in the business or a founder run company. There's all those other check the box that you have. And then when you want the financials and you want to wait for a price that's appropriate, you print out the one page, you leave it in your desk and you check it every quarter. And then maybe at some point the stock falls and suddenly a wonderful company that was expensive, a la PayPal three years ago or two years ago, becomes cheaper and maybe now we dust it off again. That's the theory at least. So let's review the one pager quickly, worked by Mark, one of our analysts in the cash flow club. So 2023 to 22, I already covered revenue, 6.7 billion to $27 billion of top line revenue, 17% annual growth rate. EBITDA earnings, 1.5 billion to 5.1 billion. That's a 14% growth rate in earnings over time. Fantastic debt. Debt has gone up from zero to $10 billion. But $10 billion is still very, very manageable when you have $5 billion of annual earnings. Excess cash, $3 billion. Remember in this quarter, they bought back a lot of stock. And I said that that buyback was greater than the free cash flow. That's because they're drawing in the free cash here. If they believe the stock is truly undervalued, it's a good deal for us as equity holders. So the market cap of the company has gone from 40, 43, 40, uh, $44 billion uh, in, um, in 2015 when it was public. It ballooned all the way as a high here of $270 billion. Um, that is almost, oh, what, an eight, eight times, uh, seven, seven times uh, growth in six years. It's crazy large. And then from $270 billion of market cap is fallen to 82 billion dollars of market cap. That's an incredible, incredible, incredible drop uh, over time. And what you're going to see here is if I look at the enterprise value, which is just market cap plus debt, less cash, you follows the same pattern. $42 billion of EB, EV, a peak of $268 billion and down to $90 billion where it's roughly end of December is where it was. And what that means in terms of a mul market multiple, and if you recall earlier in this presentation, I said, uh, you know, they, they, they're making free cash. It's just a matter of how much you pay for that free cash. Well, that's what this is. This is a market multiple. No, it's not free cash. EBITDA is not free cash, but EBITDA does translate down to free cash. And they tend to be somewhat in, in, in line. They should be in line. And, and well-run companies, they should be in line. But what we can do is we can look at how much you're, how much you're paying for the earnings that are generated every year. And when PayPal initially went public, 
uh, it was reasonably priced relative to some of the other uh, payment processors out there at 19, 20 times. That's roughly what Visa, MasterCard, and Amex are trading for. Um, and then it suddenly caught fire and went all the way to 60 times market multiple. And that's very, very expensive to pay for a company that what happened was the growth didn't live up to expectations. And the market value of that, of that cash flow was absolutely cratered from 60 times EBITDA to 17. I believe now, depending upon EBITDA calculation, LTM versus, uh, versus historical, you're at about 12, uh, 12 to 13, maybe 14 times uh, EBITDA right now, which is very interesting um, uh, possibility for a stock that has a legacy of very, uh, that has a legacy of very good growth uh, and is in a business that generally trades at mar market multiples around this 18, 19, 20 times as so it, it, its peers do. So it might be a very interesting market multiple expansion opportunity. And then the last one we want to smell check is the debt leverage ratio, which is relatively small, uh, still less than three times. So I think we're checking a couple of boxes here, revenue growth, earnings growth, you've got debt that checks the box. Uh, let's take a look at free cash flow. So we reviewed the cash flow for Q1, but I just want to go over the total cash flow from this business over time. Again, cash flow from operations adjusting for stock-based comp. 2013, $1.8 billion, and that's grown to last year $4.55 billion uh, last year. Uh, we just looked at the current period. It's continuing to move, which is great. 11% uh, annual growth rate over this time frame. Uh, most recently, it's probably a little softer, right? And that's, that's kind of what we would expect. But um, still positive, still growing. CapEx, like I indicated before, there's plenty of cash here to afford the CapEx, which means that this cash flow is going to flow through to the debt holder, to the debt. There's not much debt. They can easily afford the debt. They don't have to pay it down. So this cash flow can flow all the way through the equity holders. And then it's a question of how much do we pay for that cash flow? Last year, they made, well, they borrowed some money because they bought back stock, but they, uh, they, they produced on average the last three years. That's probably someplace near $5 billion of cash flow. Shares outstanding <clears throat> have declined over this period of time. At the beginning of this video, I said that the stock is cheaper than it was pre-pandemic, and that's true. It's also true because they've been buying back shares, and the number of shares outstanding is less than it was during the, prior to the pandemic. So they have 1.58 billion shares outstanding prior to the pandemic, 1.2 or 1.18. So they've been buying back shares, and they, they have a, a big $4 billion program going forward to buy even more shares. So then if I, if I take the free cash flow per share, share price, and give me yield, having a stock with a growth rate as, as, as PayPal does to have a cash flow yield of 4, 5, 6% is very, very strong. Um, you don't see this in companies that grow dramatically. They tend to have um, you know, a, a one on a cash flow yield. They, they generally don't qualify for, for stocks that we look at in in uh, in the cash flow club but this is very interesting for a stock that could be five six percent free cash flow yield uh buying it at a 13 14 times current price market multiple uh and then having the ability to grow as very could be very very attractive okay let's forecast this business we're going to forecast ebitda and we're going to forecast free cash flow mark has a forecast of 5.7 billion dollars for ebitda again that's top line revenue growth and returning margin someplace in this <clears throat> 
you know, double digit range year over year growth. And then he's going to bring that growth down over time for a long term expectation of roughly 10 billion or calling it doubling from last year from uh, from 10 years ago. He'll apply an 18 times market multiple to this. If we look at previous multiples for this business, they have been sky high, right right there. Uh, that is too much to pay for a company in my opinion. Um, and so if you bring that down to a, a, a 1920, which is what Visa, MasterCard are trading for, I think an 18 times market multiple here is much more reasonable. That gives you $190 billion of enterprise value out a decade from now. You less some debt plus some cash, you get $180 billion of market cap. Divide by the 1.158 shares outstanding, you have a price target for PayPal of $157 out 10 years from now. Again, it's a guess. We have learned expectations can be wildly over-optimistic. You need to find a stock that's got a moat to it, it's defensible, and you think whether you miss this forecast or in the future, it could continue to perform. Uh, and you want to you you gauge your, you want to risk-adjust, if you will, your forecast. So then free cash flow. This changes in free cash flow. I've got $3.72 out next year for free cash flow, right? There's not, they're not paying any debt. So most of the increase in revenue and margin should flow through to the cash flow, to the cash to the stockholders. That grows a little less than doubling to $6.83 out 10 years and applying a 5% yield to that, which is a decent yield, not, not a growth yield by any chance. And I get 130 $6 per share long-term for this stock. Okay, what's the price currently for PayPal? Current price is $60 a share. <clears throat> that gives me an enterprise value of $76 billion. If we go back and take a look at what was the peak EBITDA uh, enterprise value during the, the heyday of the pandemic, $268 billion. So this stock has fallen in value from $268 billion to a cool $76 billion dollars in value. And that decrease is despite increased revenue and increased earnings over this period of time between the pre-pandemic and now. Uh, EBITDA, forward EBITDA, our estimate, guess wild finger in the air, uh, 5.7 billion. That's a 13 times market multiple, uh, free cash flow and cash flow yield. So very interesting, much lower market multiple than it was back then. I think that multiple was uh, roughly 60 times enterprise value EBITDA. It's now trading, depending upon the EBITDA number you use, right? This number could be 5 billion, could be 6 billion, some number, but you're in this 13 to 15 range. Now, if we put a forecast together like we did and we have a free cash flow, I can say I can buy this stock at 60, I get this stream of cash flow, I'm out at an average price roughly $146 a share, and I make an estimated $18 as 18% IRR. That is 18% return each year for a decade, or roughly uh, 300 uh, 3.3 times your money, 200% return total. So this is PayPal. I'll give you a little distribution curve down here. If for some reason after this video, the stock is higher or lower, you can take a look at this game. This is $60 a share where it's currently. Same forecast gives me 18% return. As the stock declines, if it were to, to decline, given the same forecast, your IRR would obviously go up. If the stock moves up from here, IRR comes down. Again, these are guesses. The idea is we know the future is unknown. We're trying to say, what is a reasonable guess? 
And then how much can we expect to make off that guess? And if it, is it worth it? Is it worth the, the investment or the risk of loss? And if there is a loss, how bad could it be? Would uh, PayPal go to zero? No, I don't think the company's going bankrupt. So, so your, your, your loss is something less than zero, hopefully. Is, your, is, is there gain? Well, if you hold this stock for a decade or two, I think the odds of it being higher are in your favor. So then it's a question of you know, how much money allocating to it and um, what other options are there out there in the market. So this is PayPal. Let's review the five key attributes here for this stock. Number one, top line revenue growth. It's growing, check the box. Number two, EBITDA, enterprise level value, earnings are growing. Number three, strong free cash flow. Yes, check it. Number four, low debt. Number five, well-priced. Yes, I think those are all check boxes. It's a well-priced stock because it's yielding or it's estimated to have an 18% uh, IRR, which beats the S&P 500. So I'm going to give it a good. <clears throat> I also want to call some attention to the fact that this stock <clears throat> at its current price is a trifecta. You have a stock that has a market multiple that is lower than it has been historically and lower than its industry peers at 20 times or so, 18, 20 times. So if you can buy this stock at five times, excuse me, 15 times and it goes to 18, that's a market multiple expansion, number one. Number two, earnings. We expect earnings to grow for the stock over time. It might be rocky. I don't know if it's going to be 10%. I don't know if it's going to be 11% here. Uh, or 5%, but as long as they continue to grow. And number two, stock buyback. They're going to be buying back stock. Well, those three features are the trifecta. That's why I've got the t-shirt on today. Uh, this helps produce a hockey stick curve. When earnings are growing, the multiple applied to those earnings grow, and there's fewer shares outstanding to value that, to, to, uh, to buy that stock that means it goes up even more. So check out my video, Domino's versus Google at IPO. They IPO'd 16 years ago at the same time. Over time, Domino's has outperformed Google in a total return. Why? Because you could have bought Domino's cheaply. I think IPO'd at seven times earnings. They paid a dividend, they bought back stock, and they grew their earnings, and, and their market multiple expanded. So over that time, you could have compounded the dividend to buy back shares of this, of, of, on your own basis, and you would have had a nice hockey stick return. The Google did not. They IPO'd expensively at 20 plus times EBITDA. They are still 20 plus times EBITDA, although now they're probably a little less than that. Uh, and they never bought back any shares. So their return, although high, underperformed because you did not have the compounding of those trifectas. So check out that video. I highly recommend it. Check out the website, cashflowinvestingpro.com. Hit the subscribe if you like this video. Throw me a comment down at the bottom. It helps the algo. And I really, really appreciate the time. Let me know what you think of this PayPal review. Happy to do another stock if you'd like to see it. Once again, my name is Cameron Stewart, CFA. This is Rational Investing. Uh, check out the Cashflow Club. Also, if you are interested in learning how to be a financial analyst, you can email me at the description below. You can also uh, take my financial advice. You can also take my course in which I give you the Excel sheet that you're going to need. I teach you how to pull financial information from 10K. I teach you how to read uh, market multiples, yields, how to calculate splits, split adjusted, reverse split adjusted, how to give you some basic financial knowledge so that you can go into the market, look at a stock, make your own assessment, and build your own portfolio of a handful of stocks and teach you how to run the models yourself, which is going to be much better for you long term than relying on even me or someone else giving you an adv advice on stock. You should do your own work, read your own 10Ks, learn how to do it, take the course.
Also, you can find a free one-pager in the description below if you want to see what that's like. Sign up for my email list and I'll send you the one-pager. Thank you very much. This is Rational Investing. My name is Cameron Stewart. Bye-bye.